This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 16th. I'm your host, D-Swap, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kovac, it officially is the summer of the Pierce, I think, here, at least in the month of August. He's hot as a pistol, uh, went runner-up at the Prairie Dirt Classic, and ever since then, this guy cannot lose a race, except for getting 11th one time, I guess, at Cedar Lake on one of the prelim nights, but... He wins the North-South 100. Him and Ricky Thornton Jr. have collision course, literally on the straightaway where they hit each other. Pierce did say sorry about that in in his post-race interview. He gets a $75,000 payday. RTJ gets second. It just seems like those two are just flopping positions, either first or second. We saw it the $100,000 race in Nebraska. Plenty of other scenarios have happened. But Bobby Pierce wins his second North-South 100 in dramatic fashion. Right now, he can't do no wrong, Kovac. He's uh, he's feeling pretty good. He's taking the weekend off. I guess he's going on vacation, which is kind of crazy. I don't know if I would, you know, want to stop this hot streak. But <laughs> man, this Longhorn uh, partnership that he's got, the new chassis, has definitely got him dialed in. He is just flat out dominant so far. Yeah, he, it, it's. Uh, I think a Longhorn's, uh, you know, suited him very well. Uh, a couple weeks ago, back at uh, Cedar Lake, <clears throat> after he won the. Um, and also at Deer Creek, back when he won fifty grand, when he won the fifty grand there in the photo finish uh, over Hudson O'Neill in the Gopher, I talked to his father Bob, and he, you know, he he kind of got into the going to the Longhorn chassis and how that's helped Bobby. And <clears throat> one of the things Bob no, noted was that they were they were on the island sort of when he was running the Pierce chassis, and you know he the car he did very well with it. Obviously, he won races with the, a lot of races with that Pierce chassis, his father's car. Um, but Bob said that once he got in his Longhorn, he wasn't on that island anymore. He could go and he could talk to Jonathan Davenport. He could talk to Tim McCready. He could talk to Brandon Over. He could talk to all these guys that are in Longhorn cars. And I thought Bob brought up like kind of an interesting point where like kind of like gives you a little co- little little extra boost of confidence too uh, to a driver. I mean, uh, you know, know, getting some you know feedback from other guys and. And also those guys coming over to him. I mean, guys weren't weren't like check out what Bobby, you know, like discuss what Bobby was doing when it was a different car like they do now. You know, I mean, he's running. They're coming over. And I think Bobby probably like like Bob noted, I think he realizes you're doing pretty well. if You've got guys coming over to you and talking to you, uh, seeking you out. And uh, it's just he has toned down also, too. You can see I think it looks like he's maturing too, uh, the way oh, he races. Yeah. Uh, I saw I mean, Dale McDowell told to, or Todd Turner, who was covering the North South 100 in one of Todd's stories about how he noted that Bobby didn't just get up on that cushion every lap and, and, and you know, and let it eat up there. I mean, he would take his time, go up there when he needed to go up there. And uh, I mean, he did have a couple. Uh, uh, scrapes in that race. This is the first time really in a few, like he didn't have anything really at Cedar Lake, you know, um, or at Deer Creek that I remember. He didn't really get in anything. Uh, but at, uh, on Saturday night, he got into the incident first with Chris Ferguson early. I think it was lap 36. They're going for fifth place and he got in the back and, and Ferguson spun. Ferguson wasn't happy with that. And Bobby apologized. And then in the feature uh, later on lap 90, of course, he made that really hard slider to get by uh uh, to get by uh, Ricky Thornton Jr., who got him on that restart because Bobby sort of messed up, made a misstep on that restart and kind of lit up the tires and let uh, let Ricky get underneath him. And and I think Bobby was like, I'm not letting this happen. I'm not letting this uh, go. And, uh, again, he's not running for points like Ricky was. So he was able to maybe throw it in there a little harder, knowing that Ricky probably wouldn't, you know, he, he was going to lift if he had to. And, and they came close, and Bobby was able to get through there. With the lead in another big win, unbelievable! I really unbelievable. I mean, look at this month. What's that? Seven of eight, I think it is, or something. You know, I mean, one loss, like you said, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and even if you take out the Cedar Lake, if you go through the other Crown Jewels, like uh, Prairie Dirt second, and then uh, you know the Silver Dollar Nationals, he ended up second too to you know Brandon Shepard, and he few times in there threw it in underneath and just couldn't get by uh, mm-hmm. Little Sheppy, uh, Robert Holman. People on the social media boards up until this year, you know, Bobby Pierce, he's a great regional driver. We'll sprinkle in with some, you know, crown jewels. Obviously, he's won the World 100. He's won the North-South 100 before in the Show Me 100. 
but you know, he's he's a cherry picker in the summer because he's going to the summer nationals and people out there are saying, you know what, it's not what the summer nationals used to be. You're only competing against one or two guys. Hell, last year he'd even go to the championship weekend because he was so far ahead, you know, cherry picker this, cherry picker that. He did try to win Lucas of one year when he went with Dunn Benson. Didn't have that much success. To see this guy, though, come in full circle, yes, he might have had a little run-ins this past weekend, but for the most part, you can definitely tell he's matured. He's slowing down a little bit. He knows he has a car where he doesn't have to run that top nonstop just to see you know, his career because he definitely is a veteran because he's raced for so long, but his age is saying he's still pretty young and he can be pretty good at this for a long, long time. Was there, was there a question in there somewhere? I was just saying just his overall, just talking about his career, about his <laughs> no, overall. I'm just, I'm just messing with you, Suave. I love you, buddy. No, in, in all seriousness, yeah. I think that we um, – I think for me personally, I think that I noticed about two years ago his his the maturity beginning to happen in, in terms of stepping out of his comfort zone. We know his comfort zone – as a youngster and coming up through there was up against the cushion. Uh, he excelled. And if you ask any driver, uh, if they look up on the boards, you know, and they see the 32 behind them, they're like, Oh, he's going to be up top, you know, banging the boards. And that's where I've got to protect. But now he has matured in such a way that he's, I guess you would say he began to step outside of his comfort zone about two years ago, I noticed. And now He's comfortable everywhere, it seems like, especially in this car. It seems like he can get on the bottom and, and stay down there if he needs to be. And I think he's matured enough to, to know that his equipment will last longer if he's down there and not burning it up on top. So now if you're, you know, if you're running the top five and you see the 32 on the board behind you, you know, he's good. He's been good everywhere in the last few weeks, the last two months, really. So what do you protect? You know, you can't you can't just go up to the top anymore to slow him down. He is down around the bottom when he needs to be. And that is a sign of of the maturity, like you said, but but also uh, his ability, his his confidence in his car. I think that it takes a like for, for us, for instance, for my brother, for instance, he has to have an extreme amount of confidence to get up to the top. He has to have an extreme amount of confidence to go up and run that cushion, which he has not perfected just yet. Okay. Uh, so he is really, you know, I think that we're really, he's really good on a slick track and good around the bottom, my brother, I'm saying. Okay. So when, if you ever get that confidence in saying, oh man, my car is great up there too then all of a sudden things just open up for you and all of a sudden you see that your car will really go anywhere you can put it anywhere and and that that confidence allows you to even get faster you know it's really difficult as i would say a young driver but as any driver to to barrel off into a corner and not really feel good about where your car is going to be bobby pierce feels good anytime he gets into a corner now uh, I would like for I, I would like to see him apologizing less afterwards, which means just having fewer scrapes. I don't mind him apologizing when things happen, but I would like to see him continue to improve and continue to work on his craft where he doesn't have as many scrapes with drivers. Because I'm going to tell you, you mentioned social media; they they eat him up when he touches anyone when he when anything happens. I like Bobby Pierce. He's always been a good interview. He's always been, uh, you know, very uh, – he's been not good to work with, I should say, you know, in terms of talking to him post-race where he does something wrong or he does something bad. You may have to wait on him for a while when things don't go well. But still, he, he comes out and he talks to you and he tells you what's, what happened. Uh, I like the family. I've known them for a long time. Uh, so, so I like them all. But the haters are going to hate all the time so anytime he ruffles anybody's quarter panel or anytime he he hits someone they're gonna the social media is gonna blow up and he just kind of has to ignore that and i so i would like to see him kind of uh i guess dial that back and not have to apologize so much uh after these wins because you know he is he has been incredible you know the last uh six weeks so uh so no one can take that away from him and, and on another point 
isn't it always like we look for our dream is to go to these races where the best drivers in the country clash and are running against each other at the end of a race. How many times have we seen in the past where like a Jonathan Davenport and a Brandon Shepard, we hope that we get these big matchups and then it fizzles and one of them runs away with the race or, or it doesn't happen at the end of the race. Man, this last these last few weeks have been incredible when you talk about having the best in the sport clashing against each other at the end of a race. So I don't know how anyone could be upset or complain or anything about what we've seen over the last few weeks because it's it's been some really good racing on with the World of Outlaws and the Lucas Oil Series. Well, shit, that didn't take long. Come on, Derek. Twelve minutes. I don't even think it was. Yeah, that was a few weeks without without a muted uh, uh, talk. Forgive, forgive me. We'll keep on going. I was going to say, like, yeah, like those two guys have won, you know, a showdown against each other. One guy that's been around too and working has been Hudson O'Neill. He just can't quite get her done as Cedar Lake and Deer Creek. He fell just short to Bobby Pierce. Uh, One thing I do love about this, though, Kyle McFadden, is that. Bobby Pierce is kind of Bloomquist-esque with, like, the fan base. He'll get the boos. He'll get the cheers. He knows how to kind of ruffle the feathers there with the fans. Uh, obviously, he's had his altercations with few drivers. So, But for him to win, he gets more hate than a lot of other guys would. I think it's great for the sport. What do you think about that? When you got when you have a polarizing figure like you did with Scott Bloomquist, you know, in the 90s and 2000s and, you know, the 2010 era, we're going to probably get this with Bobby Pierce if he's going to be running like this the next two to three years especially. It's good for business. Let's just say that, right? Um, I think as a sport, you know, we need personalities, right, to be themselves. And so I think Bobby is, is just – not afraid to be himself. I don't think it's like he like doesn't care as Robert had mentioned. Um, you know, like if something happens on track, I feel like Bobby is, is pretty apt and wanting to take care of that, have a conversation with the driver, speak up for himself, so on and so forth. When it comes to the fans, I just think, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's 26 years old. And so, to look at what he's accomplished at the age of 26 and the what he could continue to accomplish i think fans are well aware of his talent his potential and he's he's yet to um yes he's in his prime years but really when you look at like race race car drivers and really when they hit their prime it's not until really age 30 31 32 in your mid 30s to where you know, you, you, you see the, the, the bulk of their careers, you know, is, is when they enter into their thirties. So, um, I think that Bobby is, is secure enough in himself to not let that get to him. That is, you know, the booze that, that do come down. And also too, like, I'll say for instance, like Jonathan Davenport, right? Like, at Eldora, you know, he's been getting some booze too, right? And I'm sure that doesn't affect him by any means. And so, um, and maybe Ricky Thornton Jr. will reach a place if he also continues to win uh, at the rate that he's been winning this year. Obviously, that's kind of tailed off a little bit or over this last month or so, over the last like few weeks. You know, he could be on that same trajectory too. And I'll even go like further. I'll, a guy like Kyle Larson, I was at Knoxville Nationals this past weekend, and fans were booing him too. Some. Um, you could hear them. So this happens This happens everywhere. Um, and so it's also a sign for Bobby that he's doing pretty well for himself. So I take the boos if I'm Bobby Pierce uh, as a sign that I'm moving forward and and accomplishing new things and, and moving on to bigger and better things. So keep them, keep them coming. Keep, keep the booze coming. If I'm Bobby Pierce. So. 
Bobby Effin Pierce. He had t-shirts like that a few years ago. All right, Robert, you got to, what do you want to say about that? You like you, I mean, you're a Bloomquist guy, so you probably love the booze when, you know, Bobby's hitting that mark and he's putting on a show there and the, you got half the fans saying, F you Pierce, or what the hell are you doing there? Well, like Kyle said, it is, it is good for to have that figure out there, but for Bobby personally, it's good for t-shirt sales. I think Bobby embraces that. I think his mom, Angie, uh, agree uh, uh, when they're selling those two stuff. You have to embrace that and and, and advantage it. And, uh, and they, they've got one of the best bands as far as selling merchandise that you'll see in the sport. The other thing that I wanted to note, was how, what, what is impressive about this is if you look at our, our top, top, top driver poll, He's ranked for the first time past uh, week, and I, obviously he's going to be this time probably unanimously. Say, but uh, what is impressive is that it's a family-owned team. If you look at those other drivers, there are a lot of there in that top ten. There are only a one or two that are not owned by someone. Else. So for them to be getting this done, um, you know out of their own shop and, and and handling this themselves is really impressive. You know, when you go and you look at uh, the top 25, for instance, you know, uh, RTJ, Hudson, JD, uh, you have to get to number five at, at Sheppy right there, who is basically in a partnership now with, uh, with the Riggs uh, folks. And then sixth is Mike Marler. Well, his majority of his stuff is owned by Ronnie Delk, and then it's not really till the seventh of Dale McDowell, seventh place guy of Dale McDowell, that you reach it where it's more of a family operation. So, uh, so it, it's very impressive for someone to go out and do this uh, when you're not having someone else pay for everything. Yeah, no doubt their old shop in Oakwood where Pierce chassis are made, and you know, booming business there with the modifies, and they started dabbling with the late models, and then. You know, as older Bob get, they're like, okay, we can, we'll try to go with this Longhorn thing. And Kovac, one of the biggest things with him is his Longhorn chassis is just his qualifying. There was a lot of times where he had a rally, even like summer nationals, he would qualify sixth or seventh in that Pierce car. Now when he's up front, because he was always a show coming from the back to the front. Now if he's only, if he started in the top two or three rows, you know, you can just forget about it because he, he, He's video game mode when it gets to the feature time, for the most part. It's It's been pretty damn impressive. What is the one thing, though, before we get to our topic, that you've been impressed with seeing Bobby Pierce when he started with Dirt on Dirt in 2014, running all those summer nationals until, you know, about a decade later? What's the one thing that you're like, damn, you know what, this guy, we know he's talented, we know he's very good, but what has taken him to the next step, you think? Well, I just, it is, I'm always impressed with how hard he can race. He's entertaining. I, uh, it's, and he, but he's toned it down just enough where he, like, I, like Dale McDowell talked about with Todd Turner, where he's probably not doing it every lap, you know? I mean, there's times that he's not knocking off that deck very often, uh, like he, like he normally would do. I mean, he would come back with mangled decks, rear decks all the time. Uh, he, he's, he's avoiding that, you know, I mean, he's running racing a little bit, a little bit smarter that makes a difference and, and getting to the finish. Uh, and, but he still races hard. I mean, he, he, I, I, well, as a, if I'm a, I'm a race fan watching the race, he's damn entertaining to watch. He's, he's going to be giving it his all, uh, you know, like to, to, to win that race which he did. I mean, he didn't just give up after he lost that lead on the lap 87 restart. He came right back and fired off and was going to win that. Um, he didn't win at, at, uh, at the silver dollar nationals, but man, he was on it. He was like doing everything he could to pass Sheppy in that race. Um, and, and, and there's something to be said about, you know, Hey, all right, there's the, the smoothness on the slick racetracks and stuff, but man, I tell you what, if everybody, just ran smooth and 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 calm and collected and race it with no, I don't think there'd be very big crowds there. If everybody just right, you need guys like Bobby Pierce that are gonna get up there and you know like people. Oh, he's only gonna win if there's a cushion or something. Well, I mean he's done he's done it without a cushion too. But uh, when there is a cushion, he's gonna make sure that he he he's gonna use it. You know and and there's some guys that really don't use it that much and. 
I like Bobby. It's entertaining, especially when, you know, you got Hudson O'Neill too. I mean, he'll go up there and do it. Ricky Thornton, man, he got, he can get up there and do it. And maybe we're, you know, they're seeing here a new little breed of, of a racer. This, I mean, I'll, I, I, I didn't see Scott Bloomquist race like in from the, you know, late eighties to the nineties. And I mean, I, I didn't see the whole, you know, uh, you know, the specter of, of his career and seen, but I don't think he was like a, a cushion pounder. I don't know if the racetracks were like that as much back then. Um, or you, you had to race it like that. He was, but Rick, Bobby Pierce, he's up there. I'm going to be entertained every time I see him race. And, and, and I like that kind of racing when a guy will, you know, push the, push the booster and get up there on the top. Yeah, it's fun and it's exciting and uh, puts you on the edge of your seat. You know, just even going to Eldoro and you're on top watching him just beat that thing off. And then obviously he won the, you know, the 2016 World 100. But Bobby Pierce, it's his month to shine. He's going to continue to, you know, keep that uh, streak going. I think his next races are scheduled for Davenport here in a couple weeks, which he's very, very good at Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday show. So. I don't know. I think it's gonna be very tough for any of those World of Outlaw hey, guys to catch. Derek, Derek, one thing. No, Derek, one other thing. No, let's let's not forget he's leading. He's running away almost now with the World of Outlaws points. That's what That's I'm saying. I don't think he's even, also. Yeah, yeah I, I mean gonna, that is gonna, pretty he's impressive. He's part of his first ever national championship, which I know would uh, be a big, big thing for him. And I think I'm pretty sure he's yeah. leading second uh, attempt XR yeah. series. And he's like yep. really close to Cashville, so he definitely has a chance to win three, you know, championship chance to win a million dollars too, million dollar season possible there too with him. Yeah, if he can get all those, cha- all those point funds and everything, it's it's an impossibility. Yeah, it's uh, pretty impressive for the little kid out of Oakwood. Now that's uh, hitting his stride, uh, very damn impressive here over the last month. Uh, just coming kind of some crazy news that happened, you know, at the North South 100 after Friday night. Uh, crew crew member from uh, Jimmy Owens' team. Uh, oh, here. I'm trying to get the notes here. I thought he had his name in here. Um, oh. Hold on here. Well, anyway, a crew guy from Jimmy Owens. Uh, it was Mark, Mark Eller. Night. Mark Eller. Mark Eller, yes. Mark Eller. Mark Eller. Collided. He was on his dirt bike. Collided with, you know, Hudson O'Neill, who was trying to make a left at the pit intersection. Had to do his, uh, you know, trailer. And he kind of fell off and had a laceration in his head. They took him to the hospital. But luckily, he was conscious and alert. I think he's doing uh, okay. But um, kind of just kind of stinking a little bit when we were doing our pre, you know, pre-show. Kind of like, hey, what would be a good topic this week? And I think we're going to go this way. Just kind of like the evolution of, you know, people with uh, dirt bikes, uh, four-wheelers. You know, back in the day, everybody had open trailers and they could only fit their car there. So everybody was walking then Eldora, you're only allowed like one four-wheeler and only one person on it. So they kind of try to minimize that. But, Robert Holman, we go to places, I'll say it right now, uh, anytime you go to a track in Georgia, there's a zillion, East Alabama, there's a zillion pit bikes. There's a zillion four-wheelers. There's a zillion big, huge side-by-sides. A lot of the times they don't have their lights on. Race cars, they don't have rear-view mirrors. It can be kind of dangerous at times, especially in a congested pit area. When you have all these, you know, different uh, machines other than the late models or other than the cars themselves racing, uh, just kind of as first, your overall thoughts of just like the evolution of pit bikes or four-wheelers or side-by-sides because there's getting more and more every single year at the racetracks. And, I mean, it, it can be dangerous at times just at the situation we had like that. And, obviously, we don't want anybody to get hurt, but just what's your uh, initial reactions to – I'm glad the guy's okay, just your initial reaction to everything with you know the pitman and the pits and just other uh forms of uh machinery going around well i think that uh, uh at some of these events they have they've become an, a necessary evil because some of these events especially a lot of the ones that are streamed in the national tour races they run off so fast that there is little time and they don't have in the south you know you've got 27 uh you usually have 27 support divisions so you kind of have a little time to uh to kind of get all your stuff organized but in some of these national touring races where you only have two or three support divisions or maybe even one things click off so fast that you kind of need that transportation uh to check uh, you know, track conditions to check lineups, to check a lot of stuff. You need somebody uh, for doing that. I mean, I know personally 
that uh, the last couple of years we've gone and ran that uh, that that January race at 411 and uh, and where we've parked, you know, I don't it's a long walk for me. We don't have a pit bike. We do have a four wheeler, four wheeler, which we don't we rarely carry. Uh, I can get the four wheeler in the back of my truck and, and carry it like that. But uh, it's a pain in the butt for me to walk over there way over to the thing and look at the lineup, you know, and then to try to get back, uh, whether it be to take your tires to get them checked or whatever. So you kind of need this stuff now, just the way the sport has evolved. You can get by without it, uh, but it, it just is a, it's just kind of a handicap without it. Uh, almost like uh, not having a, a pit lift now is a handicap the way things click off so fast you need that to get your car up in there and start working on it and be able to get it down in a hurry and take off but uh, but yeah i mean as far as the pit bikes themselves you've got to control and the people on the pit bikes for some reason i'm i don't i'm not pointing fingers at uh the person who who got injured because i know nothing about that event other than what i read and i'm not saying he was wrong by any stretch because i don't a, i don't know him and i don't want to you know uh, I don't want anyone to think that I'm aiming this at him, but the majority of the people riding these pit bikes have no regard for anyone else in the pits. They think because there's, um, uh, it's kind of like a motorcycle on the interstate going in and out of traffic. They think because they are a little bit speedier and because they can maneuver a little bit better that they have the right to just zip anywhere. I've almost been ran over by a couple you know, and I'm just moseying along. I'm usually not the fastest person walking through the pits. I'm usually not in a hurry to go anywhere. I'm usually kind of just moseying along. You have to have, if you're walking through the pit area, you have to have your head on a swivel, A, not to get hit by a race car, and B, not to get hit by some Yahoo on a pit bike. So, you know, you kind of have to watch out for, for more of them now. Uh, I don't, I'm not against them. Um, as far as we have an open trailer, and I, it's a pain in the butt to get the four-wheeler out of my, my box truck. So even though it will go in there with no problem, I would rather have a little pit bike that I can just put on the front of because you can carry these little pit bikes now on the front. If you have an open trailer, you carry it on the front of your trailer as small as they're making them now. It's not like you have to have a big, you know, big motorcycle, big dirt bike to get around the pits. Um, so I just think that they sometimes are not, um, they are focused on where they're going and not really focused on things around them. And I think that they need to be as far as the four wheelers and side by sides. I've been to races where it's like a, it's like a parade of kids riding these things around. And that is just frustrating to see the, the kids who have no business um, with the race team. They're just there making circles to go from the concession stand to here and there. And they're just out having fun. And, you know, I'm not trying to take any away from those people having fun either, but they are a nuisance sometimes in the pit area. So, you know, that's kind of my take on it. I don't know what there is that we can do to fix it, but uh, it is unfortunate that we had an accident to, to make us focus on this at the moment. Yeah. We just, I mean, Hudson O'Neill kind of commented saying, you know, really no one's fault there, but Kovac, you've seen pit areas. They're not well lit. There's no rear view mirrors. So there's a lot of scenarios where a lot of this stuff could happen. And, you know, like Robert said, people are flying by sometimes and it's just kind of like the new reality. And now we even have those little smaller mini, mini bikes that are electric, you know, those Toro ones are, so I don't know. It's going to be a crazy thing. Obviously we haven't had too many circumstances, you know, that of note, but this one was kind of a big deal on Friday night, especially, you know, I had to get taken to the hospital and, you know, it could have been way worse than it was. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that it's happened. I mean, I, I've, I've been looking at these pit bikes flying around the pits. And again, just like Robert said, I mean, I, I wasn't there. I didn't see, I wasn't a witness to it. I don't know if, you know, how fast Mark was going, how, you know, it, it seemed like it was a kind of a freak thing. They just kind of met like, you know, like I think Jimmy Owen said it was sort of like, you know, like you turn around and you bump into somebody, you know, like you, you can't help it sometimes. Um, but it, it's it's been something that's like I, I I can't be surprised. I've seen some guys running around pit areas and infields uh, during races that are just flying. And if somebody happens to come around a corner, there's no way they're stopping. And and it's just been lucky that no one has come around corners and haven't met with a pedestrian or a race car. Um, 
didn't used to have these like you know like it never used to somebody i don't i, I actually gotta have to go into a little history here and and figure out like um i've thought about doing something i think we need to i mean i have to do more investigation here who who had that first pit bike who was the first one who brought one to a racetrack and as soon as someone brought one somebody else wanted one because you've seen it I mean because i mean racing is so expensive and stuff but everyone has to get a more expensive pit bike now they keep getting big i'm i'm, I'm waiting for somebody to bring in a full-fledged harley davidson and start driving it around the pits or a full-fledged you know a motorbike that you could go and run in a you know in a race like you could jump up in the air and stuff i mean there's drivers that have fallen down on their pit bikes i mean i, th I think jonathan didn't jonathan davenport said it, i think it was a maybe at cedar lake or somewhere this i'm not sure where but he goes i mean i almost i almost went out coming across the racetrack to get the uh you know to the uh you know the infield one time um i mean so there there's it's there's a lot of there's danger in that and then you're walking around the pits when I when I when I'm walking around the pits, I you know I I'm very aware. Race cars are going in one direction. I know they're they're probably going to go. That's the way they're going to come into pits. I look at a pit stall and there's no race car there. All right, I better I better look behind me and make sure that that race car is not coming back in the pits. Kind of go with the flow of the traffic. Yeah, or you don't. Um, you know, yeah, or or a lot of the race cars will slow down. They kind of have a little bit of. Uh, you know, regard for for the for people walking because they kind of rev that motor. You throw it out of gear and rev that motor up behind you. Uh, give you a little warning that they're coming. I bet pit pit bikes aren't doing that. It's just like an army of pit bikes. You look at look at like after a race, how many, the army of pit bikes that come flying back. If it's a hot pit in the infield, they come flying over the top, going back in the infield. They fan out all over the place. It, there has to be some care taken with these things. Uh, or we're going to have more, more things. Cause I mean, it seems like everybody's got them. Everybody used to walk. I, I know that Brian Burkhoffer a couple of years ago, I remember talking to him and saying, are you going to get one of these pit bikes? You know, he goes, I'm not, I will I walk, I get, I keep myself in shape. That's how I keep myself and say, I'm not getting a pit bike to go run around the pits. I'm getting, I'm going to stay in shape. So Burkhoffer was against the pit bike. So he, he's on to something there. They're all over the place. They, these old, older drivers, they used to get everywhere. They used to see the racetrack. I mean, Races aren't the, uh, you know, I mean, they, they could, they, they can, I think they could uh, do without them, but now it's a thing. Everybody has to have one. Yeah. And uh, Kyle, you're at the Knoxville nationals. Uh, obviously they have the push cars, you know, that takes the sprints to, you know, the starting stage, but a lot of the drivers there, they don't even need the pit bikes. They all got regular bikes. So maybe we can like implement, implement that in late model racing where they're just all riding their bikes, trying to get in shape. Paul Stubber, late model guy from Australia, he always had a bike. So maybe we can get more of these late model teams just to ride bikes. But I don't know. Then they might have to have, like, the blinking, flashing red light so people see them. You know, so we'll have to wait and see. I was going to say, um, I saw a lot of just old-fashioned bikes, you know, bicycles over the weekend at the Sprint Car on Knoxville Nationals. So, uh, and then obviously, too, Knoxville's pit area is paved and that's the perfect, literally the perfect pit area to bring a bicycle to because it's flat and it's paved and it's just spacious and it's open. Um, and so, but yeah, I think like that'd be a better alternative. Obviously it would depend on the pit area. For instance, like Alltech, like Alltech, um, as Robert has talked about a few times before on the show, is uh would would probably be another like one of those racetracks um to where you you could bring just a regular bicycle to uh it's flat uh there's no gravel um you know that would make just like pedaling difficult or even just riding just like anything across difficult so uh, but no there was in terms of just like the motor vehicles are just like the motorbikes or ATVs or like what have you. Um, there's one track this year and one race where um, there were a few kids racing these pit bikes in circles um, out of this makeshift track that they had made uh, inside the pit area. And I'm thinking like, what is going on here? Like, this is, this is like, where are their parents at? Like, what is going on? Um, like I was concerned for them. Um, it wasn't little Sheppy, so, was it? 
It wasn't Jace. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, we don't want to talk about it. Was okay? Just making sure he's been behaving more. Wasn't more, just making sure. Wasn't it? It was not little Sheppy, no. Um, but no, I mean, just like situations like that, to where it's uh, like I mind my own business, right? Uh, at the racetrack, I don't really speculate or try to see into things. But that was that was one time where I was like, oh boy, like you know, we need to have some pit bike etiquette or, or have, have some parents here to try to, you know, keep things under control. But no, uh, it was a scary deal to read about what happened um, to Jimmy Owens' pit guy over the weekend at Florence and, you know, hope he makes out okay. I've honestly, I've never, of all the races I've been to, I've never seen anybody get, Hit or struck a fan by a car, or crew member by a car. Shoot, I mean, when Kevin was like talking about just how like crew members on their pit bikes uh, storm outside or, or storm off the track after the race is over, back to their pits. I'm surprised that we haven't seen a collision between one of them, right? A crew guy on a bike and crew guy on a bike just take each other out because uh, they're, they're coming out of there pretty fast. Uh, and they're like little ants just like scattering everywhere. So um, certainly something that like, I've never seen anything, thankfully, and I hope I don't. So um, I don't want to see something like that in person. So um, yeah. Uh, I've never seen it personally, somebody getting, you know, hit at the racetrack with a dirt bike, or at least one doesn't come up. Cause, uh, I know Kovac and you have one instance, but Robert, do you have anyone that comes to mind where, you know, somebody got hit or, you know, I know I've seen four wheelers run into cars at park after they're pissed off after a race. I know one certain circumstance at Kankakee where they drove the four-wheeler into the side of Fager's car. I won't throw the, you know, the person under the bus that did it, but I don't know. Is there anyone that you've seen where it's been, you know, crazy accidents happen? I can't really think of one that comes to mind. Not necessarily with a, a pit bike per se. I, I have seen, um, I, I saw a, a person on a four-wheeler trying to uh, navigate a race car through the track at Screven by himself with the steering buddies and he didn't have the car tied to the four-wheeler and when he pushed it and he stopped the car kept going and ran over a person who was walking just aimlessly walking down through there uh I saw that a couple years ago um hell my stepdad got uh he was standing kind of really in the way but he was walking through kind of the middle of the walk of, of the area there at Moulton many years ago and a car was backing out of a pit stall and, and bumped him and knocked him down. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it happens. Like, like I said, you, as a spectator also, you know, the onus is on you. I mean, you've got to have your head on a swivel. You've got to realize where you're at. Like Kevin said, when you walk by a, a pit stall that there's no car at, did that car just leave and he's sitting up there in line? Or is he on his way back from his event or whatever? You know, you don't really don't know. So you have to expect that he's coming back and just be prepared. Uh, I always, when I see that situation, I always, like Kevin said, I look away, look down from where they're coming at. And if no one's coming, I walk on by. If someone is coming, I kind of scurry by or step out of the way. You just have to be uh, aware of your, and that's like we carry, kids we care my brother has uh a, a litter he's got five kids and we carry anywhere from three of them to all of them with us when we go to the races uh, a lot of times and that's something you know you're trying to teach them you know these these cars technically kind of in my opinion the cars have the right of way it's kinda, here's the hierarchy uh in my opinion at racetrack cars have the right of way Pedestrians are next. Uh, that's my opinion. But as a pedestrian walking around, you have to wear. And so that's something you also try to teach your kids. You know, don't step out into the, the lane where they're coming down through here without looking. You know, don't don't turn your back on them for, for very long. Anything. Always be aware of where you're at. 
And, it, and, and the thing is about the, this incident that just happened, like, like we've said, we weren't there, but was, was Hudson as far to the right as he could go? Was the other guys far to the, to, to his right as he could go? Did they meet in the middle? Is there anything that they could have done next time that, that next time, uh, Hudson comes off the track, you'll edge to his right, his right a little bit. You know, that's the other thing that I always try to do when I'm kind of going in and out of these places that it's hard to see around or whatever. I always try to stay to my right and hoping that the other person has enough sense on coming at least to stay to his right. It doesn't always happen, but that's at least what I try to do. Yeah, for sure. Just, uh, Crazy circumstances. We're glad it doesn't happen more. Um, obviously, I personally, I don't think it should ever be the driver's fault. And you know, if they're like on a lane thing, I think they get the right away over everything because, like I said, they don't have rear view mirrors. They're not the one. Like you know, they're trying to just you know try to get back to their pit stall. So people have got to be alert. Obviously, we said this, and let's just hope it doesn't happen again. Kovac, and there's been. There's a good one that you're probably going to share with us about, you know, a pit bike incident that happened basically live on the air or live on a race. We had a, I don't know, it was kind of crazy. And I think it was happening at a track that's had several altercations before. Well, it was at Smoky Mountain back in 2016, the beginning of the season, uh, one of the spring nationals races with Ray Cook series. Um, at a Tennessee tip-off it was that year, back in March of 2016. Uh, I think you remember this one when uh, – that. Scott Bloomquist, Chris Madden had a little bit of an incident on the racetrack. I think it was after, a, uh, you know, after, during, in the feature. Um, I believe it was, uh, I think it was, yeah, pretty, pretty sure it was, oh, it was actually, it was actually in the heat. Um, yeah, and then after the, the heat, yeah, it was Cody Mallory was the crew chief then for Scott Bloomquist. And I'm not sure if this was like early in the, the pit, pit bike deal or what. I mean, I'm not sure exactly, again, I'm not sure exactly when the pit bikes became the big thing. Uh, but he was on his pit bike, came up to Madden at the scales, made some, you know, gestures to him, Madden mad at him. Uh, and I get and Madden and then they came together. It, Madden bumped in the, uh, the pit bike uh, that Mallory was on. Mallory went flying off of it. He was OK. He got back on. There's actually I just was looking at a picture of not of the actual incident, but Cody Mallory going away. Uh, on the pit bike afterwards and Cody Mallory, I mean, he's, he's quick on those pit. You talk about guys quick on pit bikes, Cody, man, he shoots around on that thing. I saw him at, at, uh, at Houston's going from one end of the infield to the other to, you know, exchange, uh, you know, notes with, with Mark Richards about what was going on. And he's fast on that. Um, and, and this one wasn't a, a, a question. This incident wasn't a matter of you know, speed or anything. It was just, he was there and Madden bumped into him. Madden was disqualified. <clears throat> from the race by Ray Cook for for what happened uh, for the hit. Luckily, no injuries, but it's happened before. And, and the thing with these pit bikes too, also they the the crew guys have a better opportunity to go chase down cars now, like Mallory did in that situation. He gets there really quick, you know, because he's on that pit bike. I, you look back at Mark Richards, right? He was on that pit bike, I think, last year uh, during that uh, or a couple years ago during that. Um, uh, dirt track world championship incident with Chris Ferguson, right. Going down the, the pit lane. Uh, you know, he was able to, you know, get alongside of, uh, of Chris Ferguson quicker than he would on foot. I'm sure, you know, maybe some guy may without pit bikes, these guys got to run to, to, to they're going to get tired out by the time they get to a, a guy they're mad at a lot of times. Maybe when they have a pit bike, they can shoot right over there and start yelling at them, make them run over there. And they might be out of breath before they could even start yelling at a guy. Maybe things calm down. Maybe maybe pit bikes create more uh, incidents in the pits too. I didn't even think of that. I just came off the top of my head now, just thinking that guys would uh, <laughs> they'd be a little more tired if they had to run down to the scales or wherever to to meet up with drivers. But it happened. It's happened. I mean, that that Madden uh, Madden and Cody Mallory thing was uh, that was one of the first things that I remembered. Uh, you know, just when we start talking about this. Yeah, so people, if you have a four-wheeler or dirt bike in your crew, be careful. Don't be flying in the pit area. Follow the, you know, follow the rules. I mean, because there's plenty of blind spots too, or you know, cross sections, fans walking or whatever. Uh, fans, you definitely got to be careful. Head on the swivel. Um, we don't want anything to happen there. Just follow the pit, the pit speed limits. I know a lot of people probably don't do that. So if you have them, be sure to follow it. Also, if you're a fan and you're driving one of those, you know, big. Uh, big uh, four by fours or things. Just 
you don't need to bring him to the tracks out in the pits and drink beer. You don't have that go in the inside the pits and cause more traffic jams. So that's just my two cents on it. But we'll just hope everybody stays careful and we don't have any incidents like we had last Friday night with a crew guy from Jimmy Owens's uh, team. All right, Robert, one more thing. You can start us off, buddy. All right, I will do. Uh, I was just, uh, I'm going to the, uh, I'm going to the, the topless 100 this coming weekend. And I was just looking through a little bit of the history last night. And one thing that kind of, I guess, stood out to me was as recent as four years ago. And I'm looking at, you know, who's going to be there and who's not. And I was wondering if Pierce was going to be there and he's supposed to be taking the weekend off. So uh, even though the World of Outlaws are off this weekend, Pierce will not be there. So I'm looking at, at the history. And as recent as four years ago, uh, Chris Madden, there's the top five from 2019. Chris Madden, Brandon Overton, Scott Bloomquist, Josh Richards, and Shannon Babb. That's the top five from 2019. I'm not, you know, Kevin can help me on this. Maybe if, uh, if is Madden going to the top list this, this weekend? I'm not sure if he is or not. But uh, I think Brandon Overton is. But, of course, Scott Bloomquist won't be there. Josh Richards uh, will not be there, and Shannon Babb has uh, uh, does not have it on his schedule either. He says he's off this weekend. So, with that being the case, I thought it was kind of pretty unique that as recent as four years ago, the top five in a Crown Jewel race, four of them, not sure about Madden, but say say Madden doesn't go, four of them won't even be at this race. So Madden won't be there. So four of the top five. No. From this from this crown jewel will not even be in attendance at this race this year and i just think that is uh maybe it's just normal i don't know but i just thought that was kind of odd to see that that these guys uh you know you look back at 10 years ago and it's it's more you know daryl lanigan is, was you know running really well in a lot of these races and so you had a lot of guys who have come and gone in 10 years 12 years but just four years ago and four of these cats won't even be at the topless 100 this year after finishing the top five in 2019. I just thought that was a, a unique thing to, to see. Uh, there will be plenty of cars there, though, and it will be uh, should be one hell of a show. It's one of those races I always look forward to uh, every year. Uh, despite how hot it can get in Arkansas this time of year, I'll be out there. Might have to take my frog tog and, and keep cool. I don't know. Try not to pass out like Todd Turner uh, damn near did a few years ago. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the top was 100 this weekend. Another crown jewel on the table. Yeah, at least a couple of those guys are still in the racing. You know, Bab and uh, Chris Matt, at least they're still racing. So that's a positive note. But, hey, that's just like the evolution of the sport. A lot of racing going on. A lot of guys, you know, eventually will retire. But, hey, you know, maybe we can get a new winner there because Bobby won't be there. I don't know Ricky Thornton's track record. So maybe somebody else can step up their game. Uh, this weekend, Kyle McFadden get the W. What's your one more thing? Yeah, totally. I just wanted to give a shout out to Greg Satterley for picking up $100 victory in the yep in the Nathan Durbro Memorial at Hagerstown over the weekend. Uh, he topped the Dan Stone, big brother Dan Stone, and then Mason Ziegler too, in a pretty good field. And then Gary Stiller fourth. So, um, oh, I just wanted to give give a shout out there to Greg Satterley. I believe that was the sixth win of the year. So. Um, always, always, uh, you know, cool to see Greg in victory lane. And hold on here. I'm going to check something for Kovac because he'll get the, the inside joke here. Hagerstown, Maryland is hub two. Let's see how far that's away. Um, luckily he wasn't there. He couldn't make the pub two that night for the big victory, you know, He's a crew guy, Mr. Allen there, Hogghead. He couldn't buy his drinks. So uh, good, good for both of them. Could have got a calzone. Could have got a calzone, right? It's 680 yep. miles, so it's probably a good thing he got a win mm -hmm. out in Maryland and not close yep. to Illinois. Otherwise, you know, they'd be feeling the struggles the next day. But congrats to Greg Satterley. Kovac, what do you got for us? Uh, did mention there was a little note on social media today uh, from Vinny Giuliani from uh, Jonathan Davenport's team. He says he's stepping away from uh, working as the engineer for the – uh, Davenport, a uh, double L racing team uh, at the moment, tries to, you, I, you know, he said, mentioned that he just, uh, you know, to, 
just to keep us health and everything, you know, just, uh, you know, like just, just for his personal uh, way, I guess he was, uh, wanted to, wanted to set up off the road. He's going to do more of the consulting, uh, deal with teams. Now he's going to be available for that, uh, that he was, uh, kind of was doing a little bit in the past. He's done that when he wasn't with the team full time, but he's been with, uh, with, with Jonathan for quite a while now. And he's had a lot, he's enjoyed a lot of big wins with, with JD and, uh, so that's a, that kind of like a, continues the turnover there uh, with uh, Jonathan's team after la- last year's Jason Durham, uh, crew chief, uh, you know, took all, you know, he, he left the team and Corey Fosfed took over as the, as the leader of, uh, uh, as Jonathan's chief wrench this year. Uh, so uh, Vinny, will get, well, I'm sure we'll see him in the pits, but won't see him all the time, every race uh, on the Luke Soul series and all the big races with JD now. Yep, nothing for the best. Vinny probably uh, Vinny probably had to take uh to take a step back for to increase his consultation for his Facebook page. I have never seen a person that has as many female friends as Vinny on his <laughs> Facebook page. If anything, he's probably taking a step back to work on that aspect of of his career, if anything. <laughs> Good for Vinny then. Popular guy, the popular guy, Vinny. Yes. Uh, nothing for the best to Vinny. Uh, he's going to do you know another in you know future thing with him. Uh, my one more thing is, you know, I'm just chilling, hanging out at the house, getting ready to work on some uh, north south stuff for the nine. I get a text message from Mr. Steve Casebolt. Of course, he hasn't. You know, I think he's kind of retired and not sure if he's going to be racing much. And this is the second time in two months that he's saying, "Hey, my account won't work. Can you help me out here?" So I gave him Patrick Davis's number. He got him mm-hmm. dialed in, of course. So, Steve, if you're listening, you can text Patrick Davis any time of the weekend if you're, you know, our account's kind of messing up there. But, you know, it was great to hear from Steve Casebolt. So that was my one more thing. I, I love when he always randomly texts me. But the last two times I looked at my history is, uh, hey, my flow account can't work. But, of course, Casebolt, you can text me anytime. I'll make sure you're dialed in for the weekend and, uh, you know, he said he was a lot happier just watching from the you know the confines of his house than you know being at the North South 100. So maybe we'll see Casebolt down the road. Maybe he'll come to Outdoor. It's not far away. Come hang out, with Mr. Steve Casebolt. So there's my one more thing. Uh, well, guys, uh, this week we're gonna be busy again. We got the Topless 100, another crown jewel, and then we'll be live on Flow Racing with that. We'll have plenty of articles and stuff in between. So be sure to check your or keep your browsers locked into dirtondirt.com and flow racing while plenty of stories other race highlights as well that won't be on flow looking very forward to it this weekend as we are continue to be busy this summer as we're headed to school's about ready to start too which i'm thrilled about as well so uh the top batesville topless 100 this weekend thursday friday and saturday till next time this is the dirt reporters thank you for watching 